You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio, episode number 182, I believe. I'm Jimmy Kemsky with phillyvoice.com. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Gowden of Bleeding Green Nation. We are now uh, well past the 2021 NFL Draft. We covered the Eagles draft in full. We will be getting to the Cowboys, Giants, and Washington football teams drafts. Uh, in this episode, we'll do a segment on uh, each of those three teams. Um, thank you to all of you who gave us fo- positive feedback on the last episode we did, which, you know, of course, covered the Eagles draft in full. Um, appreciate that a lot, both in, in terms of on Twitter, your feedback and uh, in the review section. So thank you again very much uh, for a change. We were very positive <laughs> about the Eagles for for one episode. Uh, but Brandon, how you doing, buddy? Jimmy doing well and here to tell you today for the first time ever that I am not saying something for the first time ever. And it's actually, I'm just going to tell you that BGN radio brought to you by right to sell and craft jerky. Go to right to sell.com. Use discount code BGN 15 for 15% off. You can also get 15% off at wildnaturepet.com by using the same discount code BGN 15. Jimmy, I wanted to just run through some of these names here. Darren Walsh, um, Neil Dutton, Frank J. Hall, uh, Misty Knight, Crane, Jim Leahy, Andy Ferenczak, like Michael Van Patter, like uh, a lot of people uh, checking in with the uh, hashtag Devontae Smith owns uh, that we brought up in last week's episode at the very end. So it is cool to see a lot of people listen. Also, I want to give a shout out real quick to two people who left reviews in the Apple podcast section, which we please ask you to do. Leave a rating and review. Mario Cap always leaves them. And he actually, I believe, updates the ones he has, which is another option you can do. He said, Jimmy and BLG, great podcast. I share the concern about... Landon Dickerson, I guess Sidney Jones makes me what want to not take the risk. BLG's point is taken about not setting expectations too high for the lower round draft choices, but competition is the name of the game. Who knows? Patrick Johnson may displace Denard Avery in the Joker role. So we can look out for that, Jimmy. And then also the loyal listener of maybe the most loyal listener we have, Rich Bobby, saying uh, the team we have covering the Eagles on behalf of BGN is truly remarkable. Thanks, guys. So I always feel like it's a little funny to uh, read the positive things about us because it's like we're just stroking our own egos here. But <laughs> right. I, I, I like to do it, though, to give a shout out to the people who actually listen. Yes. I mean, it's cool that we have yes. this community. We interact. We so we really appreciate it. So Rich Bobby, thanks, by everyone. the way, uh, my dad passed away in uh, August of 2019. Rich Bobby uh, went to my dad's funeral. Wow. Which uh, I... Uh, very much appreciated. So he is um, probably my favorite uh, of my probably the, my favorite reader. Anyway, very uh, very good guy. Yes. Let's get on to the rest the of show. the <laughs> NFC East <laughs> drafts. Uh, we'll start with the Cowboys here, who 
of course, were trade partners with the Philadelphia Eagles in the first round where the Cowboys were sitting at pick number 10. Eagles were picking, uh, sitting at pick number 12. Eagles, of course, traded the 12th overall pick and the 84th overall pick to move up to 10. They got Devontae Smith. At pick number 12, after the Giants traded out of the 11th pick because the Eagles snaked Devontae Smith away from them, the Cowboys took... As you're already aware, shouldn't need the drum roll here. They took Micah Parsons, linebacker from Penn State. Brandon, what were your initial thoughts on uh, on this selection? So I talked about the uh, you know all of these NFC East drafts more on the NFC East mixtape with RJ. You know what you can hear on the feed, but you know my big takeaway from the Cowboys' first round pick was that it was the one that RJ himself said would be like the worst <laughs> case scenario yeah. where the Cowboys. Now he, he like, well, first of all, he's a Cowboys fan. So he's going to like talk himself into the pick. And second of all, you know, the, the conditions of the pick change, you know, he was talking, you know, I think he was talking more about, you know, if there wasn't, if there, if there was still a cornerback on the board and, you know, not the trade down, which, you know, they got an extra third round pick out of, but still um, my biggest takeaway was that, it's probably best for the Eagles that they didn't get an offensive lineman because I feel like yes, if the agreed. Cowboys, if the Cowboys are going to be like undone by anything this year, like or I'll put it this way: to me, the Cowboys' best chance of being like a really elite team this year, of being a Super Bowl contender, is their offense is like totally in form and they have a strong offensive line and that carries them to the Super Bowl. I mean, we know that with the Eagles, you know, you win in the trenches, and the Cowboys ignored that. So even though I think Micah Parsons is like a great you know, playmaker on defense, it, I think that's not the most optimal use of resources they could have used on that pick. What about you? They were undone by three things last year. Obviously, the Dak Prescott injury, uh, the offensive line. I mean, they, they were missing um, Lyle Collins for the entire season. They lost Tyron Smith for most of the season. Um, so, I mean, they, they're just on the edges alone, they're, they're in big trouble. And then, obviously, their defense was trash. And they actually went uh, – we'll get to this, I guess, a little bit in, in a little bit. But they actually went um, – uh, de- defense with each of their first six picks, but I'm with you in terms of um, not the best use of resources in the first round on a linebacker, especially at pick number 12. It's actually the third time uh, since 2016 that they've spent a top 34 pick on a, on a linebacker in 2016. They took Jalen Smith with the 34th pick in 2018. They took Leighton Vander Esch with the uh, 18th overall pick and now they get Parsons here. And they get Jabril Cox, by the way, later in the fourth round as well. So that now raises questions on, you know, how like how badly injured, like or how like what do they think the long term effects of Leighton Ander Leighton Van Der Esch's injury concerns, like neck and back and whatever. Like, do they think that he's done? <laughs> you know, I don't think you spend those kinds of resources on the linebacker position if uh if you think that he's still gonna be good. One noteworthy thing that um uh, Parsons actually might have he might have let the cat out of the bag a little bit here, but he went on I think it was the Ross Tucker podcast where he said friend that, of the show yes. what's that yeah friend of the show Ross, Ross Tucker, Tucker friend of the show uh, he said that the Cowboys are going to run a, a three four this year which wasn't known because um, they they hired uh, Dan Quinn who was formerly the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons who was traditionally run. Uh, four three defenses in it throughout his career, but apparently they're going to stick with a three four, um, which was new news. So I don't know if the Cowboys are thrilled about him revealing that on uh, Ross Tucker's podcast, but uh, maybe that makes a little bit more sense now that uh, they took a couple linebackers 
because, you know, you have four of them on the field, obviously, in your base defense as opposed to three. Uh, maybe that's oversimplifying it a little bit. But, uh, yeah, certainly a, a pick that I wasn't expecting them to make. It was a possibility for them, of course. But uh, the cornerback position was what everyone sort of uh, envisioned them going with in with that first round. And the assumption was that J.C. Horn or Patrick Sertan were going to be there, but they came off the board at picks number eight, uh, Horn to the to the Panthers, and nine, uh, Sertan to the Broncos. And they were kind of left to, you know, kind of decide to trade out of that 10th spot. They did get good value. I mean, we talked about this during yeah. the Eagles podcast, but the, the value of the 84th pick was 170 points. And the difference between the 10th pick and the 12th pick was I think was at a hundred points, so they yeah. did get good value in their in their move back. But uh, I'm with RJ in that this is about as bad a scenario as as they could have gotten, in my opinion, uh, when when they went into this draft with the tenth overall pick. So a couple things to respond to there. Number one, Tyron Smith hasn't played a full season since 2015. Mm-hmm. 2015, like you're just banking on this guy, and he's about to play his age 31 season, I believe. Um, uh, LVE, the Cowboys did not pick up his fifth year option. So, I mean, that further tells you, yes. you know, the lack of confidence they have in him. Um, also, number three, uh, Jabril Cox, you mentioned a lot of Eagles fans feel like wanted him. That was a name that was coming up. Yes. I think you probably had him on your like best available sure. day three. And uh, Eagles could have had him if they did not trade for Gennard Avery. Like, realistically, I think he was taken <laughs> about like not too long after Gennard Avery, that, that, that pick, the Gennard Avery pick. Up. Yeah, which ended up being uh, James Hudson for the Browns, uh, number one ten overall. James um, Hudson confirmed Hall of Famer. Yeah, can't wait for that. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's kind of interesting because the Cowboys, like you know, everyone thought you're going to get a corner. Everyone thought like it was almost a lock. I felt, or not everyone, but there was there was a lot of confidence that the Cowboys might get their pick of the first defensive player on the board. Mm-hmm. Like just looking at how things might shape up, and then obviously they did not. Uh, so it's interesting because, you know, they still have this big need at corner, but like there's still some people out there, like they can sign Richard Sherman. There's obviously the connection with Dan Quinn. And speaking of Dan Quinn, I had seen something about how he had kind of run some three, four looks too yeah. in Atlanta. I think like 2018, 2019, it's all not like necessarily always full time, but kind of he's mixed, he's played around with that. So it's not like this totally new thing for him. Um, and even with that Cowboys quote from uh, Parsons there, I thought it was kind of like, it's not going to be like three, four full time. It's kind of going to be maybe like a hybrid or a mix, but, uh, but yeah, that's all I had. One thing on Tyron Smith, you mentioned it's his age, what, 31 year, did you say? I believe. Yeah. He's heading into his 11th season. Cause he was yeah. crazy young when he entered the NFL. So it's not like a normal 31. Like he's more like, he, like Fletcher Cox. He's got some yeah. tread off of his tires. He's got 133 career starts and he missed 14 starts last year. Like he only played in two games. He missed three games in each of the previous three seasons in 2017, 18 and 19. So yeah, I mean, he's, he's getting up there in terms of wear and tear, maybe not necessarily age because 31 years, you can still play in the NFL, obviously a tackle, but um, yeah, he's getting up there. And and for me, like if I were the Cowboys, I'd have taken Rayshon Slater with that, yeah. uh, with that 12th pick. So um, yeah, I would not, I would said not that- have taken Michael Parsons. I said that before the draft. That's who I did not like when I did that uh, worst case scenario with RJ and then Ed Valentine for like other teams. Mm-hmm. That was my worst case scenario. It was like Sewell or them taking Slater was my worst case scenario from an Eagles perspective of what the Cowboys could do. Cause I just thought like offensive line, like don't like I, I we see this with the Eagles, Jimmy. 
like at times where they overcorrect. You know, it's like oh, we yeah. have to get all fast guys last year because we didn't have enough speed. Right. And you know, I think it's okay to emphasize that. Like you want to fix that, but like maybe not to the point where like it's the only thing you're doing, and you're kind of eschewing other skills. Eschewing, like Justin I like Jefferson. That. See, I brought that up on the SB Nation NFL show too, and stats commented on that. So uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm two for two on the issue of this week. The the issue is on the other foot. Um, it's, a, it's a word my lawyer likes to use, issue. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm smart. I use big words. Yeah, um, so I, I totally got uh, thrown off there. What was I saying? About uh, overcorrecting. Oh, overcorrecting. Yeah. I think the Cowboys are like, so six picks on defense is the first time in franchise history they've done that. And I feel like they went to like I get that they had to address it. I'm no disagreement there. But I think they kind of went overboard on it. Is my point? It felt like they were, um, like it wasn't. It didn't just fall that way. Like they they weren't just taking yes. the best player on their board. Like they specifically were looking for defenders. And well, actually, we'll get to that in a little bit. Let's get let's get to pick number two, which was pick number forty four. They take Kelvin Joseph, cornerback from Kentucky. And this is an interesting guy. Uh, highly impressive athleticism, notably had a 4.3440, comes with major character concerns. Um, 20, in 2020, he had four interceptions in nine games. Uh, he was originally enrolled at LSU, got suspended for their bowl game in 2018, transferred to Kentucky. And then like at the end of the season this past year, and I'm going to read this from uh, the website, A Sea of Blue, which is the SB Nation uh, Kentucky uh, website. This is a, a, a quote from, I, don't, I forget which one of the Stoops is, but one of the Stoops is, uh, is the head coach of Kentucky. And he, and he said, he came in and visited with me after my press conference today. Kelvin, he's a good he's a good young man, and I appreciate what he did for us. He just didn't, I don't know how to phrase it. He didn't really want to opt out, but he didn't want to play this this week. I just can't have him out there standing around and saying, I'm not playing in this game. That's not how we're going to do this in Kentucky. So the, the backstory there is he had played like eight or nine games, nine games. He played nine games uh, during the 2020 season. And he just wanted to take a game off. Like he didn't want to opt out. He just wanted to take a game off. And the coach was just like, eh, why don't you just opt out? And then he didn't play anymore the rest of the year, which is crazy to me. Like that doesn't happen. So uh, yeah, I mean, there are certainly uh, big time concerns with, with him. I know that uh, I, I spoke with Tommy Lawler before the draft. He had Kelvin Joseph uh, in, I think his first uh, Eagles only mock draft. And when I talked to him on the phone, he brought him up and he was like, I can't believe I had him in there because I didn't, <laughs> I didn't read his backstory and like what happened with him during the 2020 season. He said, like, I had never had him anywhere near my mock draft had I known that because of all the competition stuff that, you know, Nick Sirianni wants to bring to, to the team. But uh, very, very interesting a pick. And this is a like they they take so many weird, not weird swings, but they they take a like an abnormal number of huge risks with their second round picks, historically speaking, like Randy Gregory is one, uh, Jalen Smith. Uh, in terms of his injury, injury. Uh, last year, Tristan Hill, which was actually their first pick, but they, they didn't have one in the first round. Like he had Leo major, Collins. he had major. Uh, well, he was uh, he was an undrafted free agent, Lyle Collins. But still, I mean, like yeah, it's yeah, always yeah. like but, someone... but I mean, specifically second round. Like they've taken these hmm. big swings on players, like the Eagles did, I guess, too this year with Landon Dickerson. But the the Cowboys have done it year after year after year. I think for the most part, it hasn't worked out for them. 
uh, Jalen Smith, maybe like Randy, Randy Gregory might be. Yeah, I'm with you there. Brandon shaking his head. No, <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of with you there. I wish I didn't hate him. I think he sucks. He's ter- like he had like a good season or two, but also he it took him like two years to get like even you know playing like at a, a good level. Yeah, because so he I didn't think, even maximize the rookie contract. <laughs> I think I might have taken all the points on uh, Calvin Joseph. Do you have anything to add there? Uh, just I was wanting to get into the bigger theme, and I touched on this or asked RJ about this. I'm like, how do the Cowboys get away with being like, oh, we're America's team, <laughs> but like they get all these guys and. You know, Joseph seems, I guess, to be more about, like, football character, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, not, right, not not, like, didn't, didn't do anything off the field that was horrible, as, as far as I know. Unlike Josh Ball, yes. who, like, had dating violence. Why don't we get to him now? Like, we'll skip a couple yeah. of their picks because yeah. he, he was, he was a third-day pick. But we're talking about, you know, three consecutive character-concerning guys. Um or not three consecutive, but we'll, we'll, we'll cover them all now. Michael Parsons was considered a, a character-concerning guy, too. The, like the explanation on you know exactly what he did is vague, but it's seemingly like consi- like legitimate character concerns with him. And then we just mentioned uh, Calvin Joseph, but the guy they took in the fourth round, their second fourth round pick, which was pick number their pick number one thirty eight, Josh their Ball, first offensive, offensive tackle pick. Marshall. So go ahead. Uh, yeah, I just I don't get it. Like, I don't get how the Cowboys like get away with this. I don't. It's just I don't, I don't know. I just. Really, just uncomfortable, basically, on what you read about him. Uh, I I don't know. It's like it's un- it's uncomfortable to talk about. Even I just yeah, he he has he has seriously alarming uh, behavior. That uh, he he originally enrolled at Florida State, and it led to like he was uh, what? How do they phrase it? It was uh, dating violence, dating violence, or something like that. Yeah. Um, Here, let me uh, let me read. Yeah, go um, ahead. This is from The Athletic, or their summary was provided openly by The Athletic. The injunction mentioned 11 incidents between the two, meaning Josh Ball and his girlfriend, including three that included physical contact. Ball allegedly slapped her in the face after breaking her cell phone in a separate incident, pushed her into a closet after getting angry that he did not text her back quickly. He also threw her to the floor once after claiming she didn't spend enough time with him during his concussion recovery, causing her to cut her knee. So, yeah, it's not good. (laughs) Like, yeah, they they took a lot of character concern guys. And, you know, on the one hand, I don't think teams should completely shut players out with spotty pass. Like a guy like this. Yeah. Like I would never draft a guy like this, but like, if they truly believe that like a guy can get their act together, like a Joseph or a Parsons or whatever, then yeah, go ahead. Like you can take a swing on player like that. But I think you have to sort of have like a solemn foundation, like in, in your locker room, you have to be like a winning organization. I think to, to take swings like that. And the Cowboys certainly aren't a winning franchise. And, you know, like a few individuals aside, like Dak, for example, like there's no indication that they have a locker room loaded up with like strong leadership. So like the history of these guys, of the Cowboys taking these guys is really well documented. Like they take more swings on guys like this than, 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 you know, most teams, as you mentioned. And it's funny that like they're considered America's team uh, when they do take, you know, these really questionable character guys and balls that, you know, is, is clearly, uh, the worst of the bunch here in terms of uh, character conter- character concerns. One thing to note, actually, like they didn't take as many of these types of swings when Jason Garrett was their head coach. And like now that he's gone, like there's nothing stopping them. Like he would kind of steer, you know, the front office away from those guys whenever they go. They still took them every now and again. But uh, I doubt they would have taken three guys like this, especially, the you know, ball 
uh, if he were still there. That's not to say that like, <laughs> I'm not like uh, praising Jason Garrett, you know, because he was obviously, it was time for him to go when he went. It actually was time for him to go long. You know, it, it was actually way too, he, he stayed there too long. But um, yeah, I mean, there's there's really nothing stopping uh, the Joneses from just going buck wild, taking and and granted, like this guy's actually like talented, Josh Ball. Like he's got he's got guard tackle versatility. You know, people think he's going to be a good starter in the NFL, but uh, he went a lot later than he obviously would had if if he didn't you know have these major concerns. To your point earlier about some of these swings, like have they like who's really worked out? Like you know, you look at Greg Hardy, that was obviously right. a, like a good example of the one that didn't. Um, it feels like a lot of these don't. Yeah, like uh, Alden it, Smith was another one last year. Sure. Where and then he <laughs> he got arrested. Yeah, he right? got arrested the, again, and he stunk last year. By the way, like I remember Chris uh, Collinsworth. I think it was the week two, or was it week one? They played in on Sunday Night Football. I think it was against, week the, Rams. One against the Rams. And Collinsworth was like, "This guy is going to have 15 sacks this year." I think he ended up with five. And like they were kind of like of the week, like so as, close <laughs> as like as like Ben Solak would say, uh, they were they were lies those sacks. Like a lot of them, where he wasn't just like beating guys and getting to the quarterback. Anyway, uh, he did not get his fifteen sacks. <laughs> Any other thoughts on the Cowboys draft? Yeah, they took a couple uh, defensive linemen in round three. Um, actually, what I what I pointed out in the thing that I wrote about the Cowboys is they took a lot of reaches in my opinion. So yeah, you look at like where they got each of their first five picks, Mar- Michael Parsons, 12, Kelvin Joseph, 44, Osa Digizua, uh, 75, Chauncey Golston, 84. And then they got this guy. I don't know. I'm my, my, my Nashon right. Not, is it Nashon? I think so. Okay. I call him Nasan wrong because that's a really good joke by me. <laughs> right. He went 99. So you look at like, so I, I, I wrote a post and I, I found like where each of, you know, a bunch of like big name draft analysts had each of these, like where they had them ranked. So I looked at Daniel Jeremiah, Mel Kuyper, Todd McShay, and Dane Brugler. So for Kelvin Joseph, Jeremiah had him 84th. And remember, he went 44th. Jeremiah had him 84th. Kuyper, 67th. McShay, 47th. Brugler, 52nd. Uh, Odigizua, Jeremiah had him 83rd. Uh, Odugizu did not make Kuyper's top 150. McShay had him 87, and Brugler didn't have him on his top 100. Golston went 84th. Jeremiah had him 102. Kuyper didn't have him in his top 150. McShay had him 177, and then he didn't make Brugler's top 100. And then Nashon Wright didn't make Jeremiah's top 150, didn't make Kuyper's top 150, didn't make Brugler's top 100, and McShay had him 272. <laughs> so like, you know, these analyst rankings aren't everything, obviously. They're just opinions of, of guys that cover the draft, you know, sort of from an outsider type perspective, maybe Jeremiah, you know, aside. But um, I mean, there is something to be said for a lot of people that are evaluating these guys just on talent alone uh, that, you know, they just did not have him rated nation that is. And really, these you know all three of the other guys that they took on day two. Uh, as you know, prospects worth taking, you know what I mean? So like, I thought, uh, I think that, that, that it is, uh, you don't have to step out too far onto a limb to say that the, the Cowboys did probably uh, reach on a bunch of those guys. So 
Benetton wrote write-ups for all of these NFC's drafts on bleedinggreennation.com, and I put a poll at the bottom of each of those to see what the listeners thought uh, to grade each of those draft classes. For the Cowboys, it was 16% A, 44% B, which is the, mm-hmm. the plurality of votes. Uh, this is how BGN, BGN readers voted this way? Yes. Really? Yep. On the Cowboys yep. draft? Okay. Yep. I guess, you know, Parsons fans. Um, 25% okay. C. Yeah. Five percent D and then nine percent F. So uh, there you go. I had him at a C minus. Did you give him a grade? I did on NFC's mixtape. You can listen to it to find out what it was. It was like it was low. I think it was like a seventy-seven. One other quick um, thing higher that would, than you, but that would bother me too. Uh, if I were a Cowboys fan about this draft, like they just took a bunch of guys that were like scheme specific, and the the, the cornerbacks in particular um, on uh, days two and three, like Nation Wright. He's a 6'4", corner, 183 pounds. Richard Sherman, baby. And, and then they took uh, Israel uh, Mukuamu, who was a fine pick, I guess, in, in the sixth round. He's 6'4", 212 pounds. But they took these guys just because they're tall, because like, they're just going to sort of fit into that Dan Quinn cover three type defense. And, like, I don't agree with that that strategy of draft draft talent. Don't draft guys that if, you know, they move on, like they, what if Dan Quinn isn't good? What if Dan Quinn's really good and he gets another head coaching job? What if, but what if he's not good and he's gone? Like now you have a bunch of these guys that aren't going to fit whatever's going to, whatever the next scheme in the door is going to be. Yeah. Like why, why is Dan Quinn like, so oh, we have to build around <laughs> right, Dan Quinn. And, uh, right. Right. All right. But uh, Jimmy, let's hear about Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors before we get into the New York Giants. Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, Roach Realtors, Roach Realtors, Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, she's the greatest, 856-906-9295, 856-906-9295. Back here on BGN Radio, episode 182. Let's get into the Giants draft, Jimmy. Where do we start? Well, let's start with uh, their trade that they made. With, with uh, Well, obviously, we, as we mentioned uh, at the top, the Eagles jumped them when they went from 12 to 10 and took Devontae Smith. All indications are that they would have taken Devontae Smith with that 11th pick. He wasn't there, so they trade back with the Bears. Bears go up and For the get first Justin. time ever, they trade back. Dave Gittleman trades back for the first time ever. Right, I mean, like, I think this is his ninth draft uh, in in his career, and he's made, like, uh, it was, like, 50-something picks total and never traded back. Like, not just first round, but ever. Like, literally never traded back. So he trades back for the first time ever, and I thought he got a good deal. So the Bears go up. They get Justin Fields. The Giants get the Bears pick, which is 20th overall. They get, uh, in this year, the fifth-round pick of the Bears – uh, 164th overall. And then in 2022, they get the Bears' first-round pick and their fourth-round pick. So the Giants now have two first-round picks in 2022. And in my opinion, like, that Bears pick, it might not be bad. Like, they might they might be bad this year, depending on how quickly Justin Fields can get up to speed. If Justin Fields doesn't start. And their starter's Andy Dalton. So, like, you know, are they going to be good this year? And I don't think they are. Like, I think they're probably going to be... Uh, under five, an under 500 team with the potential to be like significantly worse than that. So they the Giants might have themselves like a couple really high picks next year. And the move back wasn't that far. 
Like who, like, again, like we said for Dallas, like who would the player have been if they didn't take Parsons? And we both said Rayshon Slater. And I think that probably would have been the best fit for the Giants too, if they just stuck and picked it, pick number 11. But they move back to 20. They take Kadarius Tony, who we'll call uh, an, a quote-unquote athlete uh, listed as a wide receiver. But he's an interesting player in that um, like he was a former quarterback, and Florida used him in, in a wide variety of ways. He's going to be kind of like a, a jack-of-all-trades guy, maybe like a little bit of a gadget guy. Uh, they're going to have to work with him. He's a little bit of a project that's just a pure wide receiver. But he's one of the more fun players in this draft to watch. Well, Jason Garrett will be able to use him effectively, I'm sure, <laughs> right. and come up with a bunch of creative things. Uh, yeah, that's a pick that I really don't like for the Giants, and I think it's pretty obvious that they wanted Smith. They didn't get him, but they're like, well, we have to get receivers still. And I think maybe maybe it's that Rager has burned me, Jimmy, but like, give me your receiver who actually knows how to play yes. wide receiver like Devontae Smith. Like, Kadarius Tony, I don't know that he is a, like you said, not even necessarily a wide receiver as much as a guy who is very athletic and can make things happen. But uh, but there's a question of like actually getting the ball into his hands for him to be effective. So uh, didn't love that pick for them, but I do love the trade down for them. And I do think, as I mentioned, um, I, I wrote about this for bleedingernation.com too. That move to me, more than any other move made by an NFC East rival of the Eagles, concerns me from this draft because that gives them ammo to pivot from yes. Daniel Jones and possibly into Russell Wilson, who has been linked to the Giants before. Aaron Rodgers, I'm guessing not, but like in theory, they could be in play. Um, Deshaun Watson, if he becomes available at some point, like they're, they have options now. I think the Eagles, you know, can outbid the Giants because they have more potentially. Although, you know, again, where that Bears pick falls could, you know, matter a lot because if it's a really good pick, then maybe they're all of a sudden able to outbid uh, the Eagles. But yeah, that that's concerning to me because I think there is a scenario this year where the Giants made some good at least I believe some good additions in free agency. You know, we, I think we've talked about how I feel like, you know, there are overpays in there, but they added more talent to their roster. Ultimately, I think there's a chance that they could be reasonably more competitive this year, but could kind of just be held back by the quarterback. And then all of a sudden next year, they have that ammo to pivot. And that would be concerning. That's the most concerning thing to me from this draft. I think that's the biggest takeaway of the giants draft is the deal that they were able to get done in the first round where they now have two, you know, picks in 2022. I'm with you on Tony. Like, I didn't love that pick either. To me, he's like a poor man's version of like a Percy Harvin. Um, and, you know, Harvin's effectiveness in the NFL, uh, kind of debatable, obviously he had a huge Super Bowl game. Uh, but, you know, he's a guy that like, it's just going to be interesting to watch his career as he goes along because he's he's not a pure receiver or, or he wasn't in college anyway. So we'll see if he can transition to one in the NFL. I really like their second round pick. Of it could have Aze been a first round pick. Right. It should have been a first round pick, but um, has some health concerns. Uh, Aziz uh, Ojolari, uh, edge, edge rusher from Georgia. I actually th thought they should have taken uh, an edge rusher in their in the first round because they would have their pick of the litter of them. Like Quiddy Pay was still there, for example. Mm -hmm. But they took Tony and, and Ojolari was still there. Actually, they traded back again. So they had the 42nd. Uh, overall pick and they moved back again with the Dolphins and they actually picked up the Dolphins third round pick in 2022 so they now have like like the Eagles have 10 picks in the 2022 draft and now so do the Giants so the Giants have an extra one an extra three and an extra four 
in 2022. And they only moved back eight spots from 42 to 50. Ojolari, I'd have been more than happy to take at pick number 42 if I'm the Giants. Uh, you still get him at pick number 50, so hard to complain about that at all. But he's a really good player. Like, he had a nine, nine and a half sacks, four forced fumbles in just 10 games in 2020. A little undersized, but he doesn't play that way. Like he's, he's a tough player, plays the run well, especially for, for you know the lack of size that he has. Um, but a lot of people thought he would have been a first-round pick if not for reportedly uh, potentially degenerative knee issue, uh, which, you know, isn't nothing, <laughs> you know, it's not, not something to dismiss or anything like that. But uh, that's why he was, that's why he slipped uh, to pick number 50. Ojolari, uh Ed Valentine from Big Blue View actually wanted him like at number 11. Like that's really? the guy okay. he wanted. Yeah, he really wanted at that pick. I remember uh, reading that on their website leading up to the draft. Also only 20 years old, Jimmy. Doesn't turn 21 mm-hmm. until June 16th. Like, Really, that's crazy. Like, really, really young. And uh, I think that's encouraging. You know, athletic pass rusher who's super young and can improve. I mean, Derek Barnett was really young when the Eagles drafted him. And maybe, so maybe it doesn't always turn into uh, the star that you want him to be. But, but yeah, I, I definitely think between that pick, like, that pick kind of takes some of this thing. Cause, like, it's almost, it doesn't work exactly like this, but it's almost like you, you can flip Tony and Ojolari and, like, kind of make it reasonable. And then the trade down, um, I feel like Dave Gettleman, Jimmy, for as much as we like to bag on him, I yes. feel like he's been less of a joke lately. Yes. Like, you know, there's still some things in there. And even just the things he says are like a <laughs> yes. joke. Like like the whole thing with Kyle Rudolph and how like he failed his physical or whatever. But the Giants, like, we're still going to sign him anyway because he was like, that's what we do. We're the Giants. We have class. <laughs> like, it's like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> right. um, but but, to, but from a football move I think you said we recently, have the class. We have the class. We have the class. <laughs> uh, I think – I just think they've done well or at least more well recently. And I think I think the arrow is legitimately pointing up on the Giants. Yeah, I agree. And this draft, uh, like I gave them an A- minus, uh, just to skip ahead or whatever. So I thought they were, they really had a great draft only because – I mean the biggest reason because they added three more picks in 2022. One, one of the guys that we should get to is uh, the third-round pick, Aaron Robinson, because there was actually like some sort of loose – uh, Eagles ties there. So the Eagles had the 70th pick, if you'll recall, and they traded back from 70 to 73. That's when they picked up the extra sixth round pick. They took Milton Williams with the 73rd overall pick. And then of course we saw the, the showdown between uh, Howie and Tom Donahoe in the uh, Eagles war room. But the three guys that were taken um, at 70, 71 and 72 were Brady Christensen. I think it was some offensive tackle from BYU Seventy uh, mm-hmm. first pick was Aaron Robinson, and then the seventy second pick was Ali McNeil from the defensive tackle from uh, North Carolina State. So a lot of people thought that like the Eagles were maybe targeting or Tom Donahoe wanted uh, Aaron Robinson at that pick, who like an imp- he's like an impressive profile in that he ran like a four three eight, I believe, at his pro day, uh, had some inside outside versatility, only had one interception throughout his college career. So you know, like ball skills may be questionable. Certainly didn't make many big plays, but he does have speed. He does have that inside-outside versatility. Would have made sense for the Eagles at that pick. It was revealed, I think. I think I saw that um, Donahoe preferred McNeil as opposed mm-hmm. to Robinson uh, over Williams. So um, that the Cowboys actually traded up into this pick. So I wonder if they did that, thinking that the Eagles were going to take Robinson at 73, but they traded up uh, to the 71st overall pick uh, to, to secure Robinson. Uh, who, whatever, it's, uh, you know, they, they actually, uh, I think they're pretty strong at cornerback now because 
They signed James Bradbury um, yeah. during free agency. They also signed um, Dory Jackson. Dory Jackson from after the Titans cut him. And uh, my my guess is that Robinson will probably fill in at the slot role. Yeah, he's twenty three, or he'll be twenty three in November, so a little bit on the older side for rookie as opposed to Ojolari. Um, but yeah, I think solid pick for them. Uh, the grade they got from the Eagles fans on Bleeding Green Nation twenty four percent A, forty five percent B. That's the plurality here. Twenty one percent C, only four percent D, six percent F. I guess like so I guess like one of the biggest things that you could also kind of talk about the Eagles in terms of, you know, did they make the right call passing on Justin Fields to get Jalen Hurts? I guess, you know, you could really question the same thing for the Giants here. Although, you know, them I would say it's more forgivable in the sense that, you know, they're getting this pick where they have options next year. Now the Eagles did that too. They they made a trade that, you know, got them picked with options. But um but I guess that's another thing to think about, you know, outside of the picks they made, like are the Giants really going to regret trading down when they could have just maybe taken Justin Fields themselves? Obviously, they weren't ever realistically going to do that because that's just not, you know, they're just not in that point. They want to see what Daniel Jones can do. But uh, but big year for him. Big year for Daniel Jones. Big year for, I guess, did he get him in? I don't know. It feels like this trade. He feels like safer now than he was before. This trade seems to indicate that, right? Yeah. Like, like they don't, wouldn't they don't make this trade. trade. Yeah. 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 So, hmm. Interesting. Anyway, uh, anything else in the Giants? The, yeah, they did make three more picks. We'll just name them real quick. Ellerson, Ellerson Smith, uh, edge defender from Northern Iowa. I actually like him. Uh, he had like 14 sacks in 2019, and then they didn't really have a season in 2020 at all. Like, it, it's not even he didn't even opt out. Like Northern Iowa just didn't even have a season. Uh, he was in the like FCS. Six six. Uh, 252, like really good athletic measurables. I thought he was a nice value in the fourth round. And then Gary Brightwell, running back from Arizona. Pfft, no thanks. Rodarius Williams, cornerback from Oregon State. That guy's 25, or he's going to be 25 in September. So I don't know, whatever. But like, if you just look at the Giants' picks, they're not like, <laughs> like they're not going to jump off the page at you. Like, you're not going to be super impressed. But I thought their picks were reasonable enough in, you know, rounds one and two. Uh, like, like you, I wouldn't, I would have taken somebody other than, than Tony. I thought the second round pick was good in Ojolari. Third round pick's fine. But the strength of this draft is that they just, they added three premium picks in, and we should mention this again. Like we mentioned this during the Eagles, uh, podcast, but like picks in 2022 are going to be more valuable than the ones in 2021, because there is a record number of like, in, in terms of like low number of players who declared for this draft. Because they didn't have a season in 2020, and a lot of guys opted to stay. In, or excuse me, yeah, in 2020. So a lot of a lot of players opted to stay in school uh, for you know to, to put another season on tape uh, in college in 2021. So the 2022 draft is going to be like way deeper than this draft, and I think we saw that like on day three. Like <laughs> you know, you and I talked a lot about like how it's even just hard to come up with targets. Uh, in day three, and I think we saw that like, mm-hmm. the undrafted free agent classes for a lot of teams were were, were pretty weak. And, I've, and comparatively speaking, I thought like the Eagles have had way better undrafted free agent classes uh, in a season where theoretically they should have like a really good class because the roster stinks and there's opportunity for guys to make to make the team. So that they were able to secure three extra picks in 2022 like is a very big deal for them. It is. I agree. Um, and yeah. And like you said, it's not just the first. It's you have two thirds now. You have two fourths now. Like, you know, they have decent ammo to work with. Yes. Uh, two dumb things I have to add. Gary Brightwell, uh, 
I'd rather have Gainwell than Brightwell. Sure. I mean, come on. Uh, also, Rodarius Williams is actually the older brother, Jimmy, older brother of Greedy Williams. Oh, he's a older isn't brother. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> right. Like, isn't that crazy? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Greedy Williams was drafted in 2019. <laughs> Right. Rodarius Williams is getting drafted in uh, 2021. Right, He's right. older. Like, what's going on there? That's crazy. Um, By the way, that's all one, on the one thing on Brightwell, he had five fumbles last year on 101 touches. So, Ooh. like, that's a guy, like, if I'm the – like, forget, like, whether he pans out or not. If he gets into a game, I'd be terrified to play him because it's, you know, it's like this backup, like – you know, probably not get probably not going to get that many snaps type of running back. But if you put him in the game, you're risking that like he's going to blow the game for you with a fumble. Who was that BC running back that the Giants took that like absolutely sucked? Uh, uh yeah, the bigger you guy. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, he his his athletic measurables were. were it wasn't terrible. Andre Williams, was it? I nah, it was. It was, it was uh, I can picture him. He had a number in the 40s. I think he might have been 44. Yeah. But the Giants love these kind of running back historically, who's like big. Nah, like I gotta a, know who that is now. A, I know a bruiser, uh, but can't hold on to the ball. And Gary Brightwell seems to be among that. I know he had big numbers in in college. That was still the in the Giants, Coughlin years. Oh yeah, because the Giants always had that BC connection. Yeah, him, yeah, yeah, right? yeah, that makes sense. Like it was like they had to take. They were like obligated to because they wanted to make like BC look good, so they would take like bad players. Andre Williams, was that it? Who it was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, uh, I'm not so convinced. No, that's him. Okay. It was, 20, well, uh, it was 2014. Okay, sure. Fourth round. Yeah, he stunk. Um, all right, let's move on. But before we do, Jimmy, let's hear a word from me about Right to Sell and Kavjurki, which is, you know, a great snack. We mentioned Rich Bobby earlier. Just, you know, the preeminent BGN radio listener, I would say, is his title because he's just – uh, great guy. He really, really just consumer of all Philadelphia Eagles media content. I don't know how he does it, but uh, we appreciate Rich Barbie for his support. And he loves right to sell it a lot. So I think you would too. Uh, I would take his word, which he has vouched for it uh, very seriously. And you can go to right to It is the meat snack that the Eagles eat and they have at the Nova care complex. And you can get yourself some by using discount code BGN 15. When you go to the checkout at right to in addition to meat snacks, they have some non-meat snacks and other stuff too. So just check out the website, see what you like. And then if you have pets or a pet, and I know you do, you want to go to wildnaturepet.com and use the same discount code BGN15 for 15% off dog treats, which are really good to get here as opposed to some other place that sells dog treats because they're um, high quality. And has, as Seamus Clancy has mentioned on BGM before, you know, he is a dog with certain uh, dietary restrictions and Wild Nature Pet caters to those. So that might be a thing that applies to your dog as well. So, uh, and it's just high quality ingredients. So go check it out, give it a try. And why not do it when you can get a discount by using BGN 15 for 15% off. Jimmy. Back after this. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Back here on BGN Radio for our final segment. 
about the NFC East draft classes. Jimmy, we're ending with the Washington football team. Round one, Jamin Davis. They were the only team in the NFC East that uh, that stuck and picked um, in that they didn't trade at all. Uh, pick number 19, again, uh, Jamin Davis, 102 tackles, sack and a half, three, three interceptions. Uh, very appealing player in terms of his like physical profile and his measurable. So he's six, three and a half, 234 pounds. He's got great size for the linebacker position in the, in the modern NFL, like great testing numbers just across the board, like 10 yard split, 20 yard split, 40 yard dash, vertical jump, broad jump. Like he's in the, like the 90 percentile on all those things, 99 percentile and broad jump, 99 vertical jump, 98th percentile in uh in 40 yard dash. So like, he is an athlete, and if you run a four four eight forty at his pro day, so like this guy is like a souped up athlete, and he put it all together in his final season. Like I said, one hundred and two tackles is good. Um, so yeah, he's it was a need the linebacker position uh, for the football team, lesser need than some of the other spots uh, on their roster, but it was a need. They get a very good player, in my opinion, very good prospect at least uh, in in the first round. I thought that was a fine pick where they were. When we did the worst case scenario things for Washington, I picked getting them getting an offensive tackle. I think would be the worst thing. Okay, like taking quarterback out of it because I didn't think that was necessarily realistic for them in terms of what could right like a non Penny Sewell, non Rayshon Slater offensive tackle. I'm assuming yeah, like Christian right. Darrisaw probably yeah yeah, yeah yeah okay. Or if Slater fell, yeah, someone some kind of offensive tackle because that's a big need for them at left tackle because they have what oh that's best case scenario you're talking about. Yeah, that was a scenario I didn't like them. Like, I was most oh, concerned. as an Eagles fan. Yeah, like looking at it from okay. that perspective. Got it. My best case scenario for the Eagles perspective is like them taking a linebacker. Because I just don't really – that doesn't really move the needle. I think it's, it's a really good de- – it's going to be a good defense to me without – with or without a first-round linebacker. Like I don't know how much that's going to really change like the equation of their entire team. So I don't know. kind of just feel like whatever about this. Don't feel strongly either way on a, a Jamin Davis um, that's where I land. I think like when you look at like Ron Rivera's career as a head coach, he had Luke Keekley in the middle of his defense for the Panthers for so long. Now, I'm not saying this guy's going to be anything close to Keekley or whatever, but you have a head coach who was a linebacker. You have a defensive coordinator in Maga Jack Del Rio, who was a former linebacker. So, you know, I could see their perspective where they want a solid player in the middle, but you know, as you and I would probably agree, linebacker is, uh, you know, the least important, uh, the, the second level of the defense is the least important when you compare that in, in a defense, when you compare that to obviously uh pass rusher, which they already have uh, in spades. And then of course uh, in, in the defensive secondary, which I think they have actually a, a pretty decent secondary as well. So, oh, yeah. um, I mean, their defense is going to be really good. Yeah. Especially if this guy pans out. So I can understand but I think it. with or without him. It was yeah. Be yeah. Yeah. Defense. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. But they did. They did have. You know, I think they they did kind of have a weakness at linebacker. Um, I wouldn't take a linebacker that high if it were me. But um, I think it, I think it's fine what they did there. They did get some offensive line help in the second round, where they drafted Samuel Cosme from Texas, very athletic, and there was thought he could go in the first round. I know we did in our BGN community mock draft that we did with the users on our site. But Jimmy, I feel like you're not sold on the Samuel Cosme. Yeah, he was just kind of like um he felt like a just a need filling pick to me. There was a run on offensive linemen in the second round where like there was ten of them taken in the in the second round total. 
And uh, I believe Cosme was the fourth of those 10 guys that were taken. Um, I think he's kind of like a high floor, low ceiling kind of guy um, where, you know, he's going to fill in. Like they have a gaping hole at left tackle, and I think he'll fill in capably. But I think he's going to be sort of limited in, in, you know, how good of a player he'll become over the course of his career. So I think they had some short-term thinking with this pick. And I, you kind of look at like, so the big, the big theme, we'll just get to the big theme of the, of the, of uh, the football team's draft. Like, it's not about the players that they took. It's about the quarterback position because like, that's sort of like what they're all about or, you know, what they aren't about, so to speak. It's basically for me, it's like, wake me up when, wake me up when they get a quarterback until then it's hard to take this team seriously. Like they're not going to be serious Super Bowl contenders until they get a quarterback. And, you know, they make the offseason uh, acquisition of uh, Fitzpatrick, which is fine. Like, I think the the signing of him, you know, has some positives in that he can come in. He's going to be an upgrade over sort of the slop that they had at quarterback. Uh, last season, they started four different guys uh, during the 2020 season. He'll be an upgrade over all of them. He's a fun player to watch, in my opinion. And he's going to, like, he gives them a, a, a decent chance of winning the NFC East in in like on sort of a mediocre team. But mediocre can win the NFC East and can get you into the playoffs for the second straight year. And I think there are benefits to that when you look at it at, at what kind of franchise they are and what they've been over the last 20 years. Like they've been kind of a doormat uh, in the NFC East and just the NFC in general. So you string together two straight division championships, like that's that's something. But at the same time, like, you're not going anywhere until you get a quarterback. So with this second-round pick in particular, like, they had their choice of uh, any of, like, the second-tier quarterbacks, um, you know, after, of course, um, you know, the five guys that went in the first round. But you're looking at, like, guys like Kyle Trask of Florida, uh, Kellen Mond of Texas A&M, um, uh, uh, Davis, Davis, Mills. Yeah, Davis Mills of uh, Stanford. Like, they had, the, they had their pick of any one of those three guys if they wanted to take a shot on any of them, as it turned out, they took the offensive tackle. And then all three of those guys went in a four-pick span uh, at the end of the second round and the beginning of the third round. So, you know, time will tell if they look back at this draft and they go, well, we could have had one of those guys and we didn't pull the trigger. Um, so, yeah, I mean, is this need-filling, capable offensive tackle worth not taking a shot on one of those quarterbacks? I don't know. Maybe like if they like, but to me, like they're not a Super Bowl contender. So I'd have just punted that down the road and tried to find a, a you know, sort of a street free agent. Like um, the Broncos, for example, was it the Broncos. They just cut a guy. Who, who was that? The left tackle they cut. You mean the one who got hurt? No, somebody or somebody got hurt. Somebody just got cut recently. Oh, you're thinking of uh, Charles Leno from the Bears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you, you can sign a guy like that and just help him. Um, but yeah, they, they kind of disagree. Okay. I kind of disagree on the quarterback thing. Like, to me, I don't want a quarterback in the second round, in theory, like, theoretically, ever. Because, like, you either love that guy enough to get him in the first round, or you don't. Like, there's no halfway kind of like, oh, he's a good value here. I get kind of what you're saying in their timeline. And I think the problem is they just, there's really no, they're kind of stuck, right? Like, that's that's the problem. That's why... Last year, when we were talking about which team would you like to see win the NFC East most, like which one would be least damaging for the Eagles, it was Washington football team because it was like it if takes they don't play get, for a quarterback. 
Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. and look, like if they won in, or sorry, if the Eagles won in week 17, all of a sudden maybe Washington's picking around 11. Well, <laughs> right. Justin Fields is on the table right, for him. Right, right. And maybe they take him there. It's So it's kind of wild to think about it that way. Uh, I, If Washington's good again this year and they win the division, then like what are they doing in the draft next year? Are they hoping someone falls to them in the first round? Are they making an aggressive move up? And if they are, like how are they outbidding two of the teams in their own division potentially in the Eagles and the Giants who have more picks than them who could also need quarterbacks? So they're not in a good spot in the quarterback front. Now, that being said, I, I do think they are – like they're legit. If we're just looking at it in a one-year thing in 2021, which you can't, you know, just do that. But if we are, I'm saying I still I, I do feel good about them. I think they could repeat as division champs. But to your point, like, I don't know what that gets them in the long term in terms of contending. They're not contending for a Super Bowl this year with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Right. But they are very much contending for a playoff spot. Would you have moved up if you were them? Like, would you have done the deal that the Bears? Did? I mean, the, the Giants might not be willing to deal with the football team. Yes, very important. So that's to that's that's a that's a factor. But would you do the same deal that the Bears did if you were them? To like if if it were on the table anyway, I would say no because I think Washington's in a spot like so. The Bears I think were uniquely qualified to take a chance on Justin Fields there because they're so desperate. They had to do it. Like they didn't have a choice. What else are they going to do? Like Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, like, this is probably the last year for them. Like, if, if it's another really – they should already be it's fired. It's interesting that they were allowed to make that move. They only well, let, let them do that. Well, I mean, if you're going to bring them back, like, if you're not going to fire them, <laughs> yeah. then you must have some level of trust in them. But that being said, I think, like, they needed to make – they. but that's exactly what they needed to do yeah. in order to, like, justify, like, okay, like, what's your plan? Like – well, we're gonna st- we're gonna keep you, but you have to have a plan. I guess this was the plan. I don't know. I don't really know if you can really plan on getting Justin Fields falling, but uh, but yeah, I I don't think Washington's in a spot where they have to be super desperate yet, just because they are gonna be able to kind of compete in the short term. But like, I don't know what the long term answer is gonna be, and it might materialize. There could be someone that becomes available in the off season, like unexpectedly, like Carson Wentz did uh, this year, or Matthew Stafford, or. Maybe someone falls in the draft, or maybe they make a big RG three like deal to move up. Like <laughs> they've done that in the past. I don't know, um, but maybe there isn't an answer, and they're kind of just going to be stuck spinning their wheels. And at that point, uh, well, then they're kind of just screwed. And then I guess the other thing they could have possibly done too would have been to move up either to like thirteen or fourteen to get up ahead of the Patriots to take uh, Mac Jones. I guess you probably wouldn't have done that either. I don't think that would be worth it. I think if he fell to them, that's one thing. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. but uh but yeah, I would not. I wouldn't No, I just wouldn't make that move. And I can't blame them for making that move. I you know what I can blame them for though, Jimmy, is making a stupid trade with the Eagles where they sent their <laughs> yeah. 2022 fifth round pick yeah. in exchange for number 225 this year and 240. <laughs> and with 225, they take Cameron Cheeseman, a long snapper. <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. What? What? Why? Well, first of all, it's a shame that guy didn't wind up with the Packers. It feels like he was destined to, oh, to it's, play for them. It's a crime. <laughs> but like, beyond that's that, a, like, that's amazing. If he is, think about that. You're wearing the cheese head. You have a jersey that says Cheeseman <laughs> in the back, and it's like right. it's not cheesy because it's not like a you know a custom one you made. It's, it's just like it's just the player. That's right. And also, 
he's going to be around for years probably too. Oh yeah. You know I mean? yeah like, that's a Jersey yeah. that's going to last. And he could be like a full, like depending if he has a fun personality, you know, kind of like a John Doran boss, yeah. let's say like that could be like a, a player, like he could be like a fan favorite. So it's a really a big shame that did not happen. If he's not like, it's a failure of a pick. If he's, if he's not on the team for like 12 years, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Dane Brugler had him as the fourth ranked uh, long snapper. <laughs> so he wasn't even the best one. <laughs> which is funny to me. Uh, I'm sure the football team will now sell out the rest of their games after making this pick. Um, they, and they trade like the, they, what they, did you, did you mention what they traded? They traded their, their fifth yeah, round yeah. pick. Yeah, the, okay. the 2022 fifth round, which is like, you know, that's a, it's not, <laughs> well, again, getting back to the point that like, it's going to be a deeper draft next year than it was yeah. this year. Like you had to get these guys late this year. Like you just had to like, Oh man, <laughs> we, we really love the players on the board. We have to go to a division rival too. It's just, I think that was a dumb trade by them. Yeah. The I, I mentioned it on the BGN radio recap, but I'll bring it up again just because I'm so interested by it. Like the value of those two Eagles picks on the draft pick value chart was two points combined, one pick each, mm-hmm. uh, one point each for one each of the picks. The value, the range of value from the very worst fifth round pick is 16.2 points. It's already like 16 yeah. times as valuable, and the highest is like 33. Like that's just crazy. Right. Like the return on value, like it's just it's really good. We'll quickly just get to the rest of their picks. Benjamin St. Juiced um, of cornerback uh, Minnesota, big guy. Uh, I want to say he's like 6'3". I don't have it here. But, kind of uh, a small guy to me. What's that? Kind of a small guy to me. 6'3"? 6'3"? Yeah, that's not big. Oh, to you, yeah, compared to you. But kind of like a press corner, well-equipped to handle sort of the bigger physical receivers. The the real, the pick that I really did like was uh, Deami Brown. Uh, yeah, I want to ask you how you feel about him. I, I've seen like – Kind of a polarizing player. I've seen some people who love yeah, him. Okay. I know he's like the the official wide receiver of Birds with Friends. I know they really like him. But I've seen like Thor Nykstrom, uh, you know, really good draft analyst for uh, Roto World. Like hates him. Really? Like, he's, like, he's, well, yeah. I, I think he thinks like he's so overrated. <laughs> okay. So, so like he's a twenty, you know, yards per catch guy. Like he's a deep threat. And um, th- so the concern would be their offense was actually awesome this year. Like they have Sam Howell. Who North Carolina, are, North Carolina, yeah, yeah. So they have Sam Howell, who is being projected as as a possible top five pick in the twenty twenty quarterback in the twenty twenty two draft. Speak. They also have Daz Newsom. I don't think he got drafted actually, Daz Newsom, but he was a you know very productive receiver for them as well. And then they have those two running backs in uh, Michael Carter and um, oh man, Devontae Williams. Yes, uh, like there was one game I watched them play against Miami. They ran for like like 600 yards against them. Like, <laughs> like each of them had like almost like in the ballpark of like 300 yards each. So like a guy like Brown is going to benefit from all those things. And, um, you know, he had, he had, like I said, he had over, uh, 20, he had 20.3 yards per catch, um, in, uh, over the last two years, I think in 20 touchdowns. Uh, I remember on one of his highlights, like one of, one of his highlight reels, He's, he knows he's got one on. He's got. He knows he has one on one coverage. He's playing against um, AJ Terrell from Clemson, who went in the first round last year to the Raiders. And he's like, he's got his arm up, like he's waving to the quarterback, like he's got his arms up. It's like you know, I got one on one coverage, and he just dusts uh, AJ Terrell for for a score. So you know, he's got that confidence factor. I think I just like him. I, I just like him as a player. It's interesting that I didn't even know that he was like a. Uh, sort of a polarizing player. I didn't like their pick of the, they, they got a tight end in the fourth round who had like 47 career catches in 46 games. Like, you know, why, why, why do you got to get that guy in the fourth round? I did like De- uh, Derek John Forrest, Bates. the uh, yes, John Bates, tight end Boise. 
And then I did like their pick of uh, Derek Forrest, safety from Cincinnati. I also liked their selection of Shaka Tony, uh, yeah. edge defender for Penn State. Uh, okay-ish production uh, in 2020, or excuse me, over his career, 20 sacks in 40 games. His uh, athletic measurables are awesome, as many Penn State players are. So, yeah, I thought their picks were fine, but ultimately, again, like I said, like, wake me up when they get a quarterback. Looking at the draft grade from leadingyournation.com, 27% A, 51% B, that's the plurality, that's the majority, actually, in this case, mm-hmm. not just the plurality. And uh, highest, I think that's the highest mark, really, of any uh, any team I've read off of here from their NFC's rivals. Okay. Um, so interesting. Eagles fans think they had the best one, only 15% C. And then 2% D, 4% F. Also throw you the Eagles one just for perspective here that Eagles stands uh, graded. Actually, I don't have that in front of me, so never mind. I'm not going to say that right now. Anything I gave a B minus. So, so I, I went Cowboys C minus, uh, Giants A minus, and football team B minus. I didn't realize okay. I was minuses across the board, but A or C a and B minuses for hmm. for each of the three NFC East teams. Okay. Any other thoughts on anything? Uh, no. I mean, I'm glad the draft is over. <laughs> like, because uh, you know, I'll get a little bit of a break. Eagles mini camp, rookie mini camp that is is coming up uh, next week, and then there will be a whole host of OTAs that they aren't participating in. And then <laughs> what were the dates of the? Uh, the mandatory, mandatory minicamp, mini June 8th, 9th, and 10th. Okay. So unless the players are okay with being fined, then they will be there. <laughs> right. We will be there, presumably, hopefully. Practice notes, baby. Uh, practice notes and podcasts. We'll do, yes. obviously, practice note podcast uh, each day for one of those as well. So that's what you have coming up here at Queen Your Nation, uh, BGN Radio. Obviously, we'll have plenty more post-draft content still coming out. I want to do those articles I have to get those together where I interview the team blogs, the SB Nation team blog for the players that the Eagles picked. So like, you know, Alabama for mm-hmm. Devontae Smith. Those are always fun. And you kind of get some good insights that you uh, maybe not would be able to get otherwise than just like a fan yeah. of that team watching that player for four years. Not, you know, because like a scout or, you know, like a, not when I say scout, like an online, you know, draft expert isn't necessarily watching every single game of these players and like knowing them as intimately, you know, as a fan is a fan of that actual team yeah, watching yeah, yeah. them and paying attention to them even before college and like looking at like their high school stuff, because I'm sure like, you know, college, big college football fans are li- like looking at that stuff too. So anyway, those will be coming up at bleedinggreennation.com. Check those out coming up soon. Check out the NFC East mixtape where we also talked about the NFC East uh, draft here, but we got the perspective of RJ and talked about some things that we didn't touch on in today's show. Check out the SB nation NFL show for national coverage. We did uh, NFC and AFC draft grades on there this week. RJ, Rob, Stats Guerrero, and myself. Check out Kristen Roach from Roach Realtors. Check out Right to Sell and Craft Jerky. Right to Sell.com. BGN 15 for 15% off. WildNaturePet.com. BGN 15 for 15% off. Might have a locker room coming in the near future. Not totally sure. So stay tuned to BlueGreenNation.com for more information on that. And I think that just about does it, Jimmy. So. We'll talk to you next time. We'll be back here. The next podcast will be on the NFL schedule release, which is... Oh, yes. Totally forgot about that. Is it the 14th? Wednesday. next This coming Wednesday. So a week from yesterday, which would be the 12th, Jimmy, I believe. Yeah, the 14th is way off. Yeah, 12th. And yeah, that'll be at night. 
Uh, I think the schedule comes out at eight. I think I believe it drops then. So we'll have our win loss prediction podcast for you. That'll be when we're talking to you next. All right. Goodbye, everybody. PGN. <laughs>